This is Air Commander Starscream, and you are listening to Half Measures. Uh, Half Measures? Sounds like Megatron's battle strategy. <laughs> This episode of Half Measures is brought to you by Mission Log, a Roddenberry Star Trek podcast. Hi, I'm Norman Lau, co-host of Mission Log. While Daniel and Paul are doing a bang-up job covering the wide world of pop culture, we're talking Star Trek, one episode at a time over at Mission Log, looking for morals, meanings, and messages. In fact, there are a whole lot of other shows at podcasts.roddenberry.com for you to choose from. Science, feminism, even daily news. Boldly go and find us when you're done here, of course. Again, that address is podcasts.roddenberry.com, and we will be delighted to have you trek us out. Welcome back to episode 33 of the Half Measures podcast. I am joined by my friend, Paul Kanawa. Now, before I let you say your piece, Paul, I just want everyone to know that this is Paul's 12-year wedding anniversary, and I've been thinking to myself, wow. if I was to go back in time 12 years, I'm at the Kanawa wedding, I'm presuming I'm going to be the best man, makes sense, other, other half of the, the Half Wishes podcast. Well, it got me thinking, what would be my speech? What would, what would I say at the, at the wedding of Paul and Diana? I think it might go a little, a little something like this. Oh. I used to be a beat cop a long time ago. I get called out on domestic disputes all of the time, hundreds probably over the years. There was this one guy, this one piece of shit that I'll never forget, Gordy. He looked like Bo Svensson. You remember him? Walking tall? You don't remember? Anyway, big boy, 270, 280. But his wife, whatever she was, this lady, was real small, like a bird, wrist-like branches. Anyway, my partner and I got called out there every weekend, and one of us would pull her aside and say, come on, tonight's the night we press charges. And this wasn't one of those deep down he loves me setups. We got those. But not this. This girl was scared. She wasn't going to cross him. No way, no how. Nothing we could do but pass her off to EMTs, put him in a car, drive him downtown, throw him in the drunk tank. He sticks it off. Next morning, he goes back home for one night. My partner's out sick. It's just me. And the call comes in. It's the usual crap. Broken nose in the shower kind of thing. So I cuff him. I put him in the car. And away we go. Only that night. We're driving into town. And the sideways arseholes in my back seat humming Danny Boy. This has rubbed me the wrong way. So instead of left, I go right. Out into nowhere. I kneel him down. I put my revolver in his mouth. And I told him, this is it. This is how it ends. And he's crying, going to the bathroom all over himself, swearing to God he's going to leave her alone, screaming as much as you can with a gun in your mouth. And I told him, be quiet, because I need to think. And of course, he got quiet, go still, real quiet, like a dog waiting for dinner scraps. Just stood there for a while, making like I'm thinking things over, Prince Charming kneeling in the dirt with shit in his pants. And after a few minutes, I took the gun out of my mouth and I say, so help me, if you touch her again, I will such and such and such and such and blah, 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 blah. Just trying to do the right thing. But two weeks later, he killed her. Of course, caved her head in with the base of a warring blender. We got there, there's so much blood, you could taste the metal. 
the moral of the story is I chose a half measure when I should have gone all the way. I'll never make that mistake again. No more half measures, Paul. I'm glad you're taking the full measure with your wife. Happy winning day. Everyone would be. How do you I, think it go down? I just don't know where to even start with that. I'm going to get you to start just while I'm talking, just to have a look at your phone, because I've just sent you a message that I need you to look at straight away, and it all makes sense in a moment. So uh, so thank you very much. Yes, 12 years with my beautiful Diana. Um, what is most interesting is that, and I've just sent down photographic evidence of what's on my screen, is what I was coming in with today. And this is, you couldn't write this. So Dan, you've just seen what I've sent you. And so, I was going to come in with the half measures intro as well, but do you know what? I looked at the intro and I thought, "Oh, that's too long. No one ever, no one will ever put up with that." Dan won't have it. He'll, he'll, he'll stop the recording. We'll be back to the start. Um, but it turns out you're coming in with it, and of course, I went with a shorter version, which uh, which goes a little like this. I used to be a podcast host a long time ago, but there was this one night, this one time I'll never forget. My co-host Walter is sick, and I got to take him home. And he's there on my back seat humming Danny Boy. And it just rubbed me wrong. So instead of left, I go right, out into nowhere. The moral of the story is, I chose a half measure when I should have gone all the way. I'll never make that mistake again. No more half measures, Dan. And that was it. And I wasn't even going to do the voice, but I felt like I had to try now because you, you made so much effort reading the whole scene. It's incredible. We're in sync. We're in sync, and I think um, that, that just shows that we're probably going to be in for maybe some some close picks for our, our peak performances. Maybe we'll be in sync with a few of our reviews. On reflection, I'm not sure this speech would go down well with <laughs> no. friends and family, and they're probably going to have some questions about, I guess, my character, who maybe we're interacting with, why I'm talking about domestic violence, not something to be joked about. Um, I did think to myself, this is too much to read. No one's going to listen. But you know what? This is Paul's wedding. I'm reimagining. <laughs> you took a full measure. And for anyone who's wondering what on earth is going on right now, uh, that entire uh, passage of dialogue is from Breaking Bad. It is uh, from the character Mike Ermtrack talking to the character Walter White and the the clues in the last line, the, the no more half measures. That is, in fact, where the name of this podcast originated when Dan and I were looking at different names that we might call this podcast. That was where it uh, it came from. I think, actually, Dan, to give you full credit, I think you were the one who had it on your list of, of names for the podcast. It was the, the eventual winner out of the pool of 20 that we had. I think that might have been during my Breaking Bad rewatch that That's we were right. maybe thinking about names, so right. it might have come out of there. I think... Uh, a long-term podcast goal for half measures um if we could get uh jonathan banks to actually say no more half measures for the podcast my life would be that's that's well you know we've 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 had we've had frank Todaro come through as star scream who knows who could be next jonathan banks come through as mike well i don't know where you go from there that would be that would be the ultimate we're six minutes into a podcast then and uh I, I question if anyone's if anyone's still there after that. That's amazing. But, you know, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, look, we probably should get into it. We've got a, a few things to cover. Um, before we do, a special shout-out to our Patreon producers, Trisha Brady and Samara King. Uh, if you want to get hold of us, 
Um, there's a whole bunch of places you can do that. You can do that through our, um, through our Twitter, through our Facebook, through our Reddit. If you want to join the uh, conversation around half measures, you can join our Discord community. Uh, all of those links are in the show notes below. Um, but get in touch if you like what you're hearing. If you've got a recommendation, got some feedback, totally positive, please. Then uh, yeah, send it through. But it's an age-old tradition. Paul, what have you been watching? Just just quickly, Dan, on the subject of don't send in the negative feedback. Let's be honest, when the mailbag gets read out, we only read, read out the positive stuff. We don't we don't read out the mountain of, of complaints and you know, get off the airwaves type mail that we get. That stays that stays unread and will always remain unread. And we, we don't thank those people for those comments. You know who you are. Um so I've been watching a few things. There's only one or two I feel like I want to talk about this week. Um plus of course you and I uh, both watched um uh, an episode of two TV shows that we're we're keen to talk about, so I know we'll we'll double up on that. And if memory serves, then you may well have watched uh, a certain Star Trek movie, which I'm excited to talk about as well. So what I'll talk about this week is a TV season of Young Wallander that uh, Dan and I just finished watching. Um, so this is a police drama, and I, I straight away. When I started thinking about what I was going to say about the show, I, I felt like I wanted to give it two two reviews. And what I mean by that is um, one as a TV show in its own right, of course, but one which has to go, you know, I think I can't not talk about it, is actually having it as a prequel to the Wallander series, or at least, um, you know, what the intention was there. Because I think, look, I'll start with that one. And honestly... I guess I feel like there's very little ties to the the Wallander series. So this is a show which you can watch on Netflix. Um, if you're a fan of the Wallander show, um, you may think the same as me. If you don't, please write in. I would actually be really interested. It doesn't feel like the same character. It doesn't cut it for me in that respect. I've seen a lot of shows and movies that explore a character either when they're younger or older. And I honestly cannot remember a time when I felt less of a connection between those two different iterations of the same character. And I think for one thing, and this is something that Diana picked up on, Wallander's accent is is Swedish. And, you know, ordinarily I'd have no problem with that whatsoever, but but Kenneth Branagh's Wallander has a Kenneth Branagh accent. And so immediately I've lost that connection between the two. Um, so it's, it's not a really a young Wallander. It's something completely different. And also, you know, Wallander's family ties with his dad maybe i've missed something i don't know but as a wonder character show i wasn't convinced if i put all of that aside however and just look at this as a police drama now this is a really good tv show and this is one i'd recommend for sure it's really well written um the cast are all really really good great production values um wonder himself um is you know is, is a very likable character he's a very gentle person you feel like a I don't know, like a sort of an instant connection to him, you know, his manner, his his values, they make him very easy to empathize with and you want him to succeed and catch the bad guy. So yeah, it's a it's a really good show. There's only uh, you know, like it's a very short first season, um, streaming on Netflix. So you're looking if you did want it to give it a go, you're only looking at investing six episodes, so only less than six hours. Um, there's some great humor in there as well, mixed in with some really horrific things that are happening. Like, a, you know, a, a teenage boy is tied up and 
gets killed by a grenade in the mouth. I mean, it's it's pretty brutal. Um, but I mean, that's as brutal as it gets, isn't it? I mean, I feel like if if, if you like a police drama, and if, in particular, if you if you like a, a show like Shetland, um, like Capture, like Hinterland, Unforgotten. Happy Valley, that kind of thing. I think it will definitely be for you. And, and obviously, if you're a Wallander fan, you'll be intrigued as well. But, but yeah, um, an interesting show. Dan, I didn't even start off by asking, have you seen the show or not, or have you heard of it? I have definitely have I've heard of it. I haven't watched the original. I guess mm-hmm. shall we say? Mm-hmm. Shall we call it the original? Yeah. Um, I've watched the trailer for this. I thought it looked quite interesting. I'm glad you've brought it up because I was wondering, do I, did I need to watch these in any particular order? But I think by what you're saying, it sounds like I could just jump in at any point. So I think next time I'm looking for something in the quality um, European genre, I think that might be the, the one for me. Nice. Uh, so, yeah, so like I said, we've got the, the other two TV shows in our movie of the week we're going to talk about. Um, so I think I'll probably... I'll probably hang up my mic at, at, at this point because everything else I've been watching has just been a continuation pretty much of you know what we what we've been watching we haven't finished yet. Cool. Okay, so I've watched a, a couple of things. Um I actually came into this conversation thinking I hadn't watched anything, but I I've, I've actually I have. So I've surprised myself. I am glad I've been keeping a spreadsheet, which I'm I'm looking forward to releasing that at the end of the end of the year releasing some analytics around um, top platforms, um, favorite shows, um, most watched um, platform, who, who made the most recommendations to me, where those recommendations kind of sat. So anyway, I have watched a little uh, indie movie, Star Trek, The Undiscovered Country. Yes. The sixth movie in the, in the series that Paul lent me from the original series. And it is. it was a pleasant shift back into the Star Trek that I was enjoying after coming from Five, where I was a, a little bit unsure of that one. And like I mentioned in the previous uh, episode, um, enjoyed two, three, and four, five, not so much, six. I think like, we're back on, back, back on mm. the game. Um, and I thought it was a, it felt like quite a, a fitting end to the series of movies. Um, mm. So... I won't talk in a lot of detail about it because I know that you, you've talked about this a few episodes ago, um, but just sort of the, the summary in a sentence. So basically on the, the eve of retirement, Kirk and McCoy are charged with assassinating the Klingon um, High Chancellor and imprisoned, and the Enterprise crew must help them escape to thwart a conspiracy and it's sabotaging the last best hope for peace. Um, I thought it was kind of great to... As someone who hasn't watched, um, I guess, or recently, I'm not familiar with all of the original series episodes, great to learn more about the Klingons, great to see some different types of Klingons, great mm-hmm. to see some of our, um, some of our, I like to think of them as friends of the show, characters from Better Call Soul as, um, as characters, as Klingons, uh, in particular General Chang. I thought it was a, it was a good movie. I, I enjoyed it, Paul. It's great. It, it's, so I'm going to jump straight to the, to the to the chase where does it sit in your in your order of movies because i know last week you gave us that list and you you had search for spock and then you had voyage home and then you had wrath of khan 
then. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I think I was trying to think what order I listed those movies in, and it was way too much effort for me to actually go into the podcast and, and listen <laughs> back to what I put them in. So I'm probably going to give you an order that's maybe different. And I knew you were going to ask me that question. I, I probably thought a little bit more about it. So my order is a bit different than perhaps what I said mm-hmm. last week. Mm-hmm. So Consistency is the key, Dan. Okay. Four is my number one. I'm, I'm switching it up. Four, three, six, two, five, one. Four, three, think? six, two, five, one. So I I like that order. I like that you've got three really high up the list because it gets quite a lot of criticism, perhaps unfairly so. Um, so I love that you've got that movie up there. Um, number four at the top of the list, great comedy value, time travel, 1980s comedy. Um, it's, it's so watchable. It's the movie that got me into Star Trek. My dad took me to the cinema to see it. And um, so that does hold a special place. Um, so six, yeah, okay. That's a, that's a fair list. I, I, look, I really can't argue with that list anyway. It's your list, but I, 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 I see where you've gone with it. It doesn't surprise me that, you know, one and five are bringing up the, the end of the list, so to speak, but, um, no, it's good. Um, so yeah, are there any particular moments in the movie that stood out to you or characters or lines or anything like that? Um, I really enjoyed uh, Kim Cattrall uh, and her portrayal of the, the, the Vulcan sort of prodigy. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there, there's some great moments, even just of the um, the Vulcan, sorry, yeah, the Vulcan, the Klingons coming on um, on board the ship for dinner and just kind of the, um, you know, from the moment they arrive and just kind of the standoff between the crewmen and then the, the awkward dinner and kind of the uh, the, the smell and the, the way they eat and the even just the fact that all the food was blue. And I just love that, like, anything sort of exotic is blue in, yeah. in space culture. So um, I, I, I can't, to be honest with you, I can't actually think of that many standout moments, but I enjoy, I think I just enjoyed seeing and learning more about the, the Klingons. Um, I I guess it was kind of also uh, fitting and sad and interesting kind of how, you know, the, the ship was due to be, you know, finally sort of decomm- mm. decommissioned, mm. the Enterprise, and that um, that that's not – they sort of head towards, the, head towards the, the sun, I guess. So I presume they're destroying the ship, not actually, like, killing themselves by exploding the ship into the sun. I was a little bit like unsure of what what was going on there. No, no, I think yeah, he said yeah, he says a uh, second star to the right and straight on till midnight. The the classic Peter Pan line, and then the, the ship just disappears. I think the 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 the, the light that comes towards you is uh, as I've listened to the director's cut. Um, obviously, that's what Star Trek fans do. Um, talked about that being um, a mirror image of what happened at the start of the movie when the planet explodes. Um, and kind of that riding off into the sunset um, type vibe they were going for, but the ship itself, um, yeah, not not to be destroyed. Uh, who knows um, where that ship might have gone between there and the future? Actually, um, a moment that does stand out for me is when um, those uh, two people beam aboard the uh, Klingon ship, and it's kind of a like the gra- like the gravity's been turned off, mm-hmm. and people have been shot, and there's this these CGI 
blood bubbles just floating all around the place and it's all kind of like pink but it's supposed to be red and just like these different scenes where it kind of looks great and then when it looks terrible but it's it's the whole thing's kind of great because you can tell their technology is sort of playing a, a different more advanced yeah. role in this um yeah and, and i remember watching that in 91 and seeing that effect and being just thinking wow this is incredible because it was around that same time that you had the terminator 2 type liquid effects and of course prior to that the one i think it's probably more in tune with is the lawnmower man level of effects um and of course at that time if it just felt amazing seeing that 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 pink klingon blood just floating there in the air um i really enjoy so much about this movie as i said last time we spoke about it um the mystery around how did the the ship get destroyed who did fire the torpedoes how they sort of piece that all together I really enjoyed all that side of it. Um, I'm really glad. So you're now moving into the next generation, Dan. Is that correct? Yeah. So I've watched the first. Uh, it's a two-parter on Netflix, which is considered one episode, but I guess two mm. episodes in this game. So I've watched the first two-part episode of the Next Generation, um, and it's it's interesting going from Kirk to Picard. It's quite a, a different, uh, obviously quite a different sort of captain experience. And the first, those first episodes obviously been setting up all the different characters. They've spent quite a bit of time introducing us to who they are, what type of, some of their abilities might be. Um, and it's, it's interesting. Like even just Samara and I were sort of just talking about how uh, Jean-Luc Picard runs quite a tight ship. He's kind of, he's efficient. Um, whereas you know, when you when I think about Kirk, who's a little bit more um, gung ho, mm -hmm. and, but they've still kind of got similar captain qualities, um, and it's it's different, and I'm looking forward to seeing where it's going. Great, it is very very much different. Um, and that first episode, the pilot, the encounter at Far Point, you would have encountered the alien Q, the omnipotent being, and so yeah, it's a it's a decent pilot. Um, and I'm looking forward to hearing what you have to say about the show and the characters and the stories as you progress through it. Yeah, no, it should be good. It should be good. I I feel like there's so much now to get through. But I, in saying that, I, when you first gave me those six Blu-rays, I thought to myself, how am I going to get through these? But <laughs> once, you kinda, <laughs> once you kind of get through them, I think, you know, anyway, I think now thinking about those numbers, I think now knowing what I know, it would probably almost be an interesting experience to watch them again, um, but I'm not ready to do that. <laughs> not yet. <laughs> any time soon, any time soon. Um, so, yeah, so that kind of concludes out the original series movies. So appreciate your your guidance, counsel, and wisdom on these, Paul. Um, and I guess we'll continue this conversation um, with the next generation for a while. See how that, how that fears. I'm excited. So I have watched a couple of other things as well. Um, I watched a, a TV series on Netflix, which I felt obligated to watch, even though it didn't look like it got the reviews were that good. It's called Sneakerheads. And it's basically a, a six-episode uh, TV show, basically about a guy who's on the, the hunt for this uh, legendary pair of kicks. And for anyone that knows me in real life, I'm definitely all about those sneakers. I, I love a good sneaker game and 
this movie, like it's a relatively easy watch. I think it kind of misses the boat a little bit. Um, it, it probably could have been funnier. Um, but there's enough moments. It's only, well, I think, about 25 minutes per episode. So it's an easy two-night binge. If you're into sneakers, give it a whirl. Probably be two and a half guns akimbo. If you're not into sneakers, probably one gun. Not for you. Not for you. <laughs> one gun. One gun, no bullets. Um, what else? What else? I've also started watching, and I think you'll watch this, Paul. Uh, we've started watching Killing Eve. Mm-hmm. So we're pretty late to the party on this one. Uh, this has been a, a recommendation that uh, many a person has made to us over the years. Uh, but we finally gave it a go. So we've just finished season one. I, To be honest with you, the trailer looks really good. I was unsure about some of the some of the actors, but I've moved past that. I'm really enjoying it. I've only got one complaint, and it's actually nothing to do with the with the show itself. And that that is in in New Zealand, Killing Eve is on our um, TVNZ oh. free to air platform, and I have to watch ads in it. Like every every ten minutes, there's ads. They're so much louder than the TV show. It's so annoying. But the but Killing Eve, I'm having a great time. Well, I'm really glad that you've given this show a go. I love the show. It's been one that I've watched each of the three seasons as they've come out. Um, Phoebe Waller-Bridge as the writer, uh, absolutely superb quality of writing. The two leads, Jodie Comer and Sandra Oh, both brilliant. Fiona Shaw, who we saw in Enola Holmes last week. I love her character. Uh, equally, I share your sentiment about the, the TVNZ On Demand advertising. I I hate to use that platform, but sometimes for some shows, as we'll find out later, you've got no choice, right, in New Zealand. And those efforts, they're so loud. It's really triggering. If anyone from TVNZ is listening to this podcast, please, for the love of, oh, sort it out. Um, great TV show. And I I can't wait for you to catch up to get all the way to end of season three to see where you think that show might go next. I, um, I've really enjoyed, I think I've enjoyed um, Jodie Comer's portrayal of the of the villain of the show is so great because it's it's so like she's such a dark and twisted character, um, and almost in a, a Dexter Morgan type way. I almost I empathise with her and I enjoy her character as well. And I, as much as she's the bad guy, I almost I want her to to win and get away at the same time. That's um, that's that's the quality, isn't it? That the way it's written with that dark humour—that's what makes it so different. It's a show about brutal murder, and yet it's treating it with a comedy lens, and it's it's really well done. Definitely. Just to put you on on a side issue before I move on, that whole um, loud ads on um, TVNZ for those New Zealand listeners—I've actually complained about this because I'm a grumpy old man—and one of the reasons for it actually is is the the sound quality. Um, on tv shows it's obviously you know top tier there's a whole bunch of um audio engineering that goes into it the sound level on adverts is obviously done to a, a different quality and a in a different level and often the files and the way that adverts are supplied are often um it's not as easily manageable apparently i was quite a, i got quite a good technical answer that kind of justified it but it was still annoying um mm. and it really 
it does put you off watching things on that platform. But if you can't find what you want to watch somewhere else, what do you do? What do you do? If you want to, anyway, if you want to do things legally, those are your options, right? We're all about the legal way on the Half Measures podcast. Should we? Should we talk about some Walking Dead? Yes, absolutely. Um, so these are the two TV episodes that you and I have both watched. They're the the first episode of The Walking Dead: World Beyond, and the uh, the continuation of season ten of the The Walking Dead. So. Where do you wanna where do you wanna start then? Should we finish should we close it? Well, actually, it doesn't really matter. Let, let's go with um The Walking Dead. Um okay. so this is it, it's kind of complicated, isn't it? It's the this is from the original Walking Dead. It's the it's the I put air quotes around this. The final episode of season ten mm. from pre COVID. And then they decided to add another six episodes. So this is kind of the official last episode, but we've still got six more episodes of season 10 to go. Yeah, and as I understand it, those six episodes are all, like, they've decided, I think they're character-based. That's how they could film it in COVID, by having the characters sort of, like, showing individual stories. I think that's what we're in store for, spoiler alert. Right, right. So this was a long time coming, um, and so, spoiler alert for those that haven't watched the episode, because I think to talk about this episode, mm. we probably need to talk about some of the key events that happen. Um, if you're not a Walking Dead fan, um, we, won't, we won't spend too long. I know it's not for everyone. Um, but I guess this episode brought about the the conclusion of the, the Whisperer War, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, we, I guess where we ended the season pre pre-worldwide COVID, um, the hordes of the Whisperers were encroaching on our, um, our band of survivors. Um, Beta was leading leading the pack of Whisperers towards them. They'd already rolled through a couple of the towns and destroyed them. And um, what, what did you think, Paul? Look, I thought it was a really, a really strong return. I thought they had some some really good notes with some really cleverly executed scenes. Um, I mean, I think the, you know, we're talking spoilers. I think the, one of the big ones was, you know, Gabriel was in, you know, he's in all kinds of trouble. And then from, you, you think he has to be dead. And then from out of nowhere, you know, you've got Maggie making a return to save his life. Incredibly having disappeared from the show, what, two seasons ago, at least a year ago, right? At least. Yeah, I I thought that was um, fantastic. Yeah, I, I found the the episode really quite in, enjoyable. There were lots of nice story moments that I thought came together well. The moment between Carol and Alpha's daughter. Um, there was the the scene where they were trying to to drag all of the walkers away, and they were using a horse and carriage, blaring out this music. What was the song they were playing? It was brilliant. It was just one of those perfectly chosen songs and now i've forgotten it which is just classic isn't it um but but really well done and um yeah i, I think the the big scene if if i can talk to that if you don't mind is finally beta being taken out because i cannot repeat the language that diana used but <laughs> their reaction when negan drew beta out and then he gets taken down it was priceless it's and it's a great because that reaction expresses how much 
you know, she hates that character and how much we all hate that character. And that's great because it just shows how well written that character is and how well acted out by the guy who plays him. You know, we all just really hate Vader because of the way he is. And I also liked how quickly and decisively they, they, they took him out as well. No dragging it out, just two knives in the eyes and you're done. Um, although he did manage to pull the knives out, which was a little unrealistic, but made for some great television, I thought. I thought it was um, great that scene when our our survivors, the the Daryl crew, uh, basically decide to make their way out through the zombies. And I don't know about out through the walkers. I don't know about you, Paul, but if I'm covering myself in blood and guts to walk through zombies, I'm definitely putting some on my face. I feel like if I'm trying to hide from the actual whisperers and make sure that no uh, walker bites me, I want to be a bit more covered than some of those, some of our, our main survivors are. But I, what I did really enjoy is I enjoyed how they kind of had the the snipers up in the the top story of the building taking mm. out whisperers uh, before they could a- attack our survivors. I thought that was pretty cool. I liked, um, I guess the 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 death of Baker scene. I thought that was great. It did kind of feel like ah. Uh, it's it's over um and i guess to your point i guess there was no point in dragging it out i think my i I thought it was i enjoyed the episode it's really annoying we had to wait so long but that that's a covid thing we i don't think we can blame it on amc or or the walking dead it's it's just kind of the reality we live in yeah i think the missed opportunities for me i i think negan is still such an underused character and I think it's a shame to kind of see him in such a, a submissive role. And the fact that even Daryl got the, the hero kill um, on Beta, I, I feel like I, I almost wanted to see them have a bit more of a of a, of a bit of a, a battle. Like, you know that scene that we had a, several episodes ago of The Walking Dead where they kind of had that knife fight yes. in the building? Like, I kind of wanted more of that, whereas I felt like this was just like the ultimate finisher and he'd been saving up all his all his power moves to do that. Uh, but overall, enjoyed it. Great to see Maggie back. Yeah, no, a real strong episode. And look, I, I do hear what you're saying about how maybe, as much as I just said, I liked how they didn't drag it out. You're right. They, they, they It was very sudden. And you're right also with Negan. Like, you sort of forget he's there, and then the gang are talking, and then they turn, and suddenly Negan's in camera. And it's like, oh, that's right. Negan's with them. Whereas... You know, an actor, Jeffrey Dean Morgan's quality and a character with, with such brilliant delivery of lines all the time could be used a lot more because, you know, we're both fans of this show, but we've both talked about how uh, with, with Rick gone, with, with, with Shane gone and so many other great characters gone that what you're looking for are those strong characters and Negan's just love him or hate him. He's just got a great way of delivering lines that always makes for entertainment, which is why we're here, right? Definitely, definitely. I think the other um, thing that happened in that episode uh, was obviously when Carol was leading the the walkers to the end of the cliff, and there's that moment of, is Carol going to have to step off the cliff to Mm -hmm. um, get the walkers to do it? And then uh, Lydia saves her. And even that, I was kind of just like, oh, God, Carol, it's always something with you, isn't it? Um, And obviously she she was doing that for heroic reasons. But I feel like Carol's Carol's always the one in those situations where 
Yeah, I, I, it's kind of funny because she, she's doing it to save the group, but I feel like we've just seen Carol in that situation so many times. I'm really ready to stop the roller coaster of our emotion with her. Well, we'll be we'll be looking forward to the the Carol and Daryl show, no doubt, because as soon as she got near the edge, there's never any danger of of those characters ever being having got. Whereas that's what I liked about the scene with with, with Gabriel, because I thought this is it. This could be his moment. He's he's going to be gone, and not only was he not gone, but he was saved by a returning hero. So that was that's what makes this this show, and has always made this show real strong for me, is that you get close to all these characters, and at every moment, generally, it was always give or take Rick or give or take Daryl. You knew that anyone was fair game, and that that's what always keeps you on the edge of the seat is never knowing if someone's going to get taken out. And just before we we segue over to uh, the world beyond. I think we've got to give a, a mention as well to the, when we switch over to um, the king, um, mm. get, uh, what's his name? Um, Kerry Payton. Yeah. And uh, God, I can't think of Eugene and the others when they, those kind of stormtrooper people kind of surround Oh, them yeah. Again. You know, they're, they're pretty, um, you know, obviously the introduction of a, of a whole new set of, people and community and I think they're actually going to have some some pretty big links uh, to our, our Walking Dead World Beyond characters. Mm. And the other thing I thought was interesting is we didn't get the reveal of the masked man who came with uh, Maggie. Yeah, and do you know, I, I did read uh, someone someone else's review just to get a, a sort of sense of what other people thought, and they were really triggered by the fact that we didn't get to see that. And I just kind of thought, well, we've had quite a few things in this episode. You've got to have something to sort of you know look forward to next time, and you know, I think eventually we will find out. Oh, I, I definitely think we're going to find out. I think it was interesting that we didn't kind of cut back to it until quite late in the mm. episode. And I thought there was that awkward scene, and I, I wish they didn't have him there, where everyone's kind of standing around, we've just had a battle, we're recovering, and he's still got his mask on. Yeah. Like it was the most, like, yeah. pretentious WWF okay. wrestling moment I've ever seen. Like, <laughs> either take your mask off or don't be in the scene. Like, it, it felt too forced. But anyway, you, you know how I get passionate about these walking dead situations. Uh, now that you've said that, I'm going to make a prediction and say this character is never taking the mask off. It's going to be like the Mandalorian. The mask stays on at all times. We'll never know who it is. <laughs> all right. Shall we? Um, it'll be interesting to see where The Walking Dead goes with these new character-driven episodes. Interesting to see if they sort of jump around time-wise. Could be interesting. But shall we, shall we move over to the world beyond? Yeah. So this is a brand new series, the third series after Walking Dead and Fear the Walking Dead. Um, I guess for me, I would say so far, so good with an asterisk on that. And the asterisk is simply that I, I just wish that they, they, they'd gone with a feature length series premiere episode, like actually longer than what we, we had. So what we've got here is a series set around uh, a bunch of essentially four main teenagers who are that uh, what you'd call first generation um, that have you know lived in this world that have, you know are sort of becoming adults in this world um, and I, I feel like I don't have anything negative to say about this show so far other than to say that not enough happened and by the time we got to the end of the episode I felt really settled in 
and I was I was really excited about what the characters were about to do, and I felt ready to go for at least another half hour. And I just think that with with a modern day TV series for a show that's set in an already established universe, it's just not enough to come in with a first episode that's less than an hour because not enough feels new in a world that we already know so much about. And to give a, a quick example, whilst we're talking like about Star Trek, it's something that Star Trek's always done well. Each series has always come along with a feature length or double episode premiere that allows you to really get drawn in, find out if it's for you or not. And, you know, Discovery, Enterprise, I can't imagine watching those shows with just like a, a half an episode. It would feel very odd. Um, but um, I guess that's how I felt. Um, at the end of World Beyond, I just felt like it cut off too early. What about what about yourself? Yeah, this is an interesting one because I, to be honest, didn't feel that excited to watch this series, but I'm actually quite intrigued after watching the the first episode. And I think what's interesting about it is it's basically as you as you mentioned, it's focused around these these teenagers or these young people that have grown up in this walking dead universe and they know nothing but this universe and so they haven't they haven't experienced anything normal um and i'm intrigued to see where it goes i uh, enjoyed some of the like the evolution of the world so this is sort of set 10 years after our our sort of core walking dead and i think you know a small example of that for me is the the woman who is i think she's got cancer and in her home she's got like a a grate on her door so if she died yeah. um she can't get out and like it's like we're, we're starting to innovate and evolve how we how we kind of protect ourselves in the community and i thought some of that stuff was interesting i am intrigued to see like when i saw the the four the four young people leave the secure community and and head out into the wild world i did wonder for a second you know with fear the walking dead how the whole thing was around this is before we reach peak mm. peak walking dead i feel like i hope they're not too quick to kind of rush us into these kids in the wild like standard walking dead but in in saying that i'll tell you paul the one thing that i'm excited for in the world beyond are they going to meet adult judith grimes well I hadn't considered that. That is that is a real possibility, isn't it? Um, there's. I wonder. I wonder what other characters they may potentially potentially meet. Um, it's an interesting question. I yeah. I I wonder. I wonder if they will. I, are you are you absolutely one hundred percent certain it's set ten years after the Walking Dead? Is that a? I know we're a half measure podcast here. And we're, we we shouldn't research just as we record. That's really bad form, but. Um, I'm pretty sure. Let me just uh, a generation that grew up after The Walking Dead. Mm-hmm. Keep talking, Paul, while I Google this for one second. For those listeners tuning into the first time for Half Measures, this is classic, typical Dan Whiting doing his research on the air and questioning everything that Paul says. We'll see what happens this time. It's me questioning what Dan said. Look, this this cast are great. I, I they're, they're they're quite young and. I feel like it may be the first time a lot of us have seen these actors and actresses, and um, they 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 were impressed me. The, the the rebel girl, I thought she was real good. The the two boy actors, I thought they were quite impressive, quirky characters. I quite enjoyed them. Dan, have you uh, have you got some information for us over at HQ? 
So I've just gone over to our, um, our fact checking help desk. And so the series is set in Nebraska 10 years after the zombie apocalypse. So I guess the question is, I guess it's not 10 years from where season 10 is at. No. It's 10 years from the start of the apocalypse. So for my money, that makes it running concurrent with The Walking Dead because The Walking Dead is in season 10. So I'm actually thinking they're saying it's picking up at that same time. That's my... uh... Keep talking a lot longer because I just want to check something. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Okay, so one of the actresses who isn't new to us um, so we've got those those teenagers, but we've we've also got Julia Ormond uh, cast as the leader of this this group, the um, the CRM, whatever they are. The, and, and I haven't seen her. It feels like for decades. Like I remember seeing her in movies like like First Night, opposite Sean Connery, and uh, in Sabrina with Harrison Ford, Legend of the Fall. I honestly didn't recognise her at first, and it was only because I saw her name in the credits that I think I picked up. You know, when I saw her on screen, that it was her. Um, and actually, just while you're researching there, Dan, on the subject of that organization, the, the CRM, whatever they are, the, the exciting thing with them is that these are, these people have got technology and they're organized and they're sort of, I don't know, I want to say civilized, but I guess what I mean is that they look like governments, they've had a shower, they're, they're, they're smartly dressed, they're not lacking basic supplies. And of course, this is the organization that have the helicopters, which we've seen, we, we first saw in Fear the Walking Dead, when... Um, Cliff, Cliff Curtis's character, I can't remember his name there, but you know, he, he was on board one of those. And of course, more memorably, the I'm presuming these are the guys who picked up you know, Rick Grimes and took him off in the helicopter. So from that point of view, it's really exciting. So I was thinking, when you said Judith, I was thinking, is there going to be an actual link to Rick Grimes' movie? May he even cameo just prior to a movie or will maybe will they reference him? I don't know. Either way, it's nice to have, I guess, people in this world who have a... a a change of clothes and aren't fighting on horseback it's kind of a, it just feels a bit more like okay there are some humans that actually made it so i'm not sure how accurate this is Paul, but i've actually read this a couple of times and so the walking dead isn't actually like each season isn't a year so basically between rick waking up in a coma in a coma all the way to rick being taken away in the in the helicopter is roughly three and a half years so all of that stuff happens in quite a tight time frame. And so then you think, so this is sort of 10 years ahead. So there's roughly a six and a half-ish year time gap. So there is potential that some of these characters could cross over. Um, interesting. I guess time will tell. Time will tell. So... Mm, I don't, I'm, I'm not sure, Dan. I'm not sure. So I'm just going to get um, uh, the the creators of the show on the line. Hang on just a second. Uh, they're, they're not answering, strangely enough. I, I feel like there needs to be an official source, Dan, that can tell us exactly what's going on. I want a timeline. Do you remember that time I found that timeline for Star Wars where it fitted all the movies together and the TV shows and the books, and I was so excited? I want one of those for The Walking Dead right now is what I'm looking for. It'll be interesting, I think. Um, if you Google the Walking Dead timeline and how much time has passed, there's quite a few articles um, mm. about which, which kind of tell a, a similar story. Prob- I wonder if there is an official timeline. It's probably something um, maybe someone will be able to tell us or maybe we'll find it out or maybe we'll just keep speculating. But I think it, it will be interesting to see how all of these 
universes connect together and i think as you say yeah. the helicopters and the the, the three rings um which is obviously mm. which is about the different communities will be will be an interesting story to weave hopefully and i'll say this as well really refreshing watching it on amazon prime not having any adverts you know like in the walking dead it really takes me out of i know tv adverts are not a new thing we've had them all our lives growing up and we've just got greedy and not greedy what's the word selfish and uh spoilt with with streaming platforms not having any adverts i guess but something about the walking dead it really takes me out of the moment with a show like that just to suddenly go from seeing someone being chased by a zombie to suddenly i'm seeing that apples are on special at my local supermarket it's uh, a bit much um the one the one other thing i was going to say just on this uh world beyond um and you know as you know dan we often give advice to to show producers and directors here at half measures podcast you know we obviously draw upon our, our experience and try to help out where we can with this one, I'm actually I'm not I haven't got any directing or pro- production value concerns whatsoever. I feel like the Walking Dead universe is, is well set up to be successful with that. This is with this one, I think it's the writers that I would talk to about, you know, where they hold the keys to success. I feel like this show really has to do something special to make it stand out from the other two series. And that ties in with what you just said around, you know, we don't want them rushing into regular Walking Dead universe type stories i feel like it, it is offering something new with these with these teenagers and the first generation um so i suppose it does give it that different angle but um and i i feel like the walking dead core fans like ourselves will watch it for sure but whether it's going to draw in new fans i just i just don't know what do you think i think it'll be well i think that there's two paths right it's either a, a great entry point into the walking dead universe and it'll get you interested in the other content or much like someone looking into the, the Star Trek universe, where do I start? What mm. ones are important? There's too much for me to get into. Um, it, it, it's kind of an interesting test. Um, and I, I, you know, they're already talking about, obviously, the, the Carol and Daryl show. There's, there's mm. other spin-offs kind of being talked about. I just... My my most important thing right now is let's finish let's finish the Walking Dead strong. We've only got um, mm. twenty four more episodes left in the next season, and I want to make sure we we go out strong there. I'm already committed into Fear the Walking Dead. Just as long as we can keep all of these plates spinning is the important thing for me. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. And look, more importantly, all I care about when it comes to this show is make it a show that I care about. You know, just something that I really want to watch and I can't wait for the next episode to come out. That was always the great thing about Peak Walking Dead was you just could not wait for that next episode. Um, and I, I guess I started to feel that way with the latest season of Fear the Walking Dead. Um, it all came down to the character relationships, the way they're written, and the, the, the core group are strong. Um, so I, I do hope we keep these four core characters together for at least the first season anyway, because I have heard a rumour that this may actually be a two season only show which i find very odd i i can only think of one other show where i've thought yeah two two series two seasons was enough and that was star wars resistance and that was because it just did its job to tie those sequel movies together but any other show that's only had two seasons you know we've talked about this before haven't we you know things like caprica enterprise i'm not happy at all um so 
So if that rumor turns out to be true, that's that's very odd. But I guess time will tell. Time will tell. And so look, apologies to the the non-Walking Dead fans. We're going to try and keep it short, but um, we're, <laughs> we've got lots of thoughts on this one. And uh, it, as you can kind of tell, we're kind of uh, angrily passionate about it um, for sometimes the right and wrong reasons. I'm wondering, Paul, um, in the, for the sake of time, whether we should move on to our movie of the week. Definitely. So the movie of the week feature each week, Dan and I take it in turns to choose a movie to watch. Uh, and this week it was uh, my choice. I gave Dan the choice of two movies and he came out with the option of Vice. Each week we put the title we're going to watch into our Discord community channel so that you can uh, watch along as well. And then when we come to the review, you'll already be familiar with that movie. So, Dan, what's Vice about? So Vice is the, the story of Dick Cheney, uh, an unassuming bureaucratic Washington insider who quietly wielded immense power as vice president to George W. Bush, reshaping the country and the globe in ways that we still feel today. Correct. 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 You, you correct, got it right. <laughs> correct is the new look, I think. Yeah. So this is a movie that has got a, a stellar cast. We've got Christian Bale, Amy Adams, Steve Carell, Sam Rockwell, Alison Pill. So, so many great actors and actresses in this in this movie. I, when I chose the two movies, I said to Dan, I said, "100 percent, Dan's going to choose Vice. Dan, Dan's going to choose Vice. He can't go past the Christian Bale movie." And so, I don't know about you, but when I choose the two movies, sometimes I do have a strong sort of, oh, I hope he picks that one. I really want to see that one. So that was great that you picked this because this movie was just incredible for, for a variety of different reasons. But I am going to start with, with Christian Bell and say that, and again, if you haven't watched this movie, scrub ahead, don't spoil it, because this guy, he's done it before with, what, was it The Machinist or The American Psycho? One of those movies. I the Machinist. Yeah, he lost all the weight. He put on weight for the hustle. He got real, you know, really beefed up and jacked up for, for Batman. And in this movie, he's just piling on the pounds. I, I read that he, he put on 20 kilograms, which I guess is around 40 pounds or so. Um, and he puts it down to pie, um, which is a worry for me because I do enjoy pie. But he just looks so unrecognizable um that there was times when i was watching this movie that i had to remind myself you're actually watching christian bell he was that good um but not just unrecognizable but just a really authentic believable look and that really added to the performance of this this character dick cheney who who i have to admit and this may be a little embarrassing to, to admit i think i probably learned more through watching this movie than i perhaps already knew so i'm trusting trusting this movie to be telling me the truth, which I'm sure is, is, is a really sound decision, right? Yeah, I think it's a movie, uh, I really enjoyed the movie. I I think yeah, Christian Bale and his commitment to becoming Dick Cheney was incredible. Just to see, I think not, not only piling on the pounds, the incredible makeup, I think the hand movements, the, the small gestures yeah. that really made you believe that you're actually watching Dick Cheney was incredible. And I think that, that's such commitment to the craft and, and the passion um, that actors often have. 
I think the other thing I um, I feel like I need to give a shout out for this movie is the director with Adam McKay. So Adam McKay is actually he, he's he's been behind so many great movies. So one of my personal favorites, Step Brothers. Um, <laughs> he's obviously done The Big Short. Um, uh, he was actually the writer on Ant Man. Uh, he was the producer of other guys. Like he's got a he's got a great back catalog, and yeah. I think what's great about Vice, and, and I'm a bit like you, Paul. I feel like I'm probably a little bit naive to some of the the things going on in the American market or American sort of political landscape, and I think this was educational for me. Um, as you say, probably taken with a grain of salt because it's a, from a certain perspective. But I think the the storytelling and Vice. I really liked. I really liked how they'd often be talking about a scene. There'd be um, flashbacks or um, sort of a, a another story running alongside it. I thought it was well done, and I think it's kind of easier often to enjoy these movies when I know that uh, American politics do impact the world. Mm-hmm. But when you're not actually in America, it's a little. I, 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 I don't find myself as, as triggered or as outraged watching these these types of movies. No, I know what you mean, and I know what you mean about the the impact that American politics has on the world because that's a real thing. And I, I back when this was, you know, two thousand one, I got to admit whether it's it's right or wrong. I think I probably bought into the propaganda that they were they were selling, and so I feel like I was perhaps a a victim at the time of what you know Cheney and Tony Blair and all the rest of them were actually sort of putting up on the screen because I, I took it at that age to be real um but just yeah seeing how cleverly he manipulated people for his own benefit for for the sake of power um taking that business business mentality to to the White House and then I guess how they portrayed his relationship with George W. Bush and and how George W. Bush was made out to be essentially way, way dumber than I thought he was. Maybe I've just kind of, I don't know, maybe just the way that politics is so crazy at the moment in America. I've, it's almost like George W. Bush is a forgotten thing. But yeah, he, he was also um, pretty crazy. And if this, if this movie has any shred of truth in there, then it seems like he lent very, very heavily on, on Dick Cheney's decisions and made decisions on the basis of very little evidence if any i think and and this is the thing right like this is obviously um presented from a a point of view there's obviously many different sides to these stories but i think the way that dick trainee is portrayed he seems like someone who you don't argue with he seems like Mm -hmm. someone when he tells you something you kind of believe it and i think what's interesting about it is you know, when I think about um, shows like Veep or even just sort of the, the satire world of, of politics is they often um, play the vice president out to be kind of the, the, the lesser of the two. Yeah. And I think kind of see those roles switched around and with a bunch of actors that I really respect. It was just a, a, a really enjoyable watch. No, you're absolutely right. Um, just quickly before I forget, shout out to Adam McKay, as you say, not just the things you mentioned, but... Also, he was the producer on East Bend and Down. I've just spotted as well. So you're absolutely right. An amazing career he's had so far. And um, the other shout out I was going to give was um, um, Steve Carell as Donald Rumsfeld. And 
even even again as somebody who doesn't know too much about American politics at that time, I just remember the look and the mannerisms that Donald Rumsfeld has and the facial expressions that he would make. Steve Carell did a really, really good job in that respect, um, played that role very well. It's the second time I've seen him do that. And the other time was in the movie you just mentioned, in fact, um, the, the big short, um, where I found Steve Carell to be really convincing. Um, and I was just, just to quickly go back to what I saw about the weight game of Christian Bell, I think I was just thinking about Gary Oldman as Winston Churchill. And I was thinking about Anthony Hopkins as Alfred Hitchcock. And I think, yeah, those guys were playing guys way bigger than they were, but what, puts Christian Bale in a different league is you know those guys were in suits and prosthetics and, and masks and makeup and the difference with Christian Bale as Janie is that there was well there was a mask I guess for the hairpiece but there was you know the rest of it was real and there's something you just can't beat real and I remember it with Robert De Niro when he put on the weight in Raging Bull um, and it just adds so much to the to the to the performance i don't know how sustainable that is for 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 a person or how healthy it is to do such drastic drops and gains but uh it's there's method and then there's christian bell i agree i agree Uh, he he commits to a role and i read that he's no longer going to be putting his his body through such extreme measures for some of these these future roles like it's it's just too much um, and as you can imagine, putting on that much weight and then dropping it again or, or losing a lot is has got to be hard on anyone. Um, so, look, great watch. I give it all the I give it all the guns, um, which is seems right for the genre. Um, and considering uh, <laughs> considering what happens with uh, Dick Cheney in that movie, so I, I think it was a good choice, Paul. I enjoyed it. Excellent. Well, from Cheney to the newsroom. Tonight's news is read to you, as always, by Dan Whiting. Well, team, I'm just going to cover a, a couple of things today. So, um, you know, Paul, I like to bring you some unique things every now and again. So mm-hmm. you'll be pleased to know. I know you're a, you're a fan of Silence of the Lambs. Buffalo Bill's house is up for sale, and I'm wondering. <laughs> Should this be the new half measure studio? If we go halves on it, it feels like I I don't know how anyone could possibly I mean it's a film. It's fictitious, but even so, my word, I could I couldn't. It comes in shy of uh three hundred thousand um US dollars. Now unfortunately there is no giant pit um <laughs> or unfinished basement in the house. Uh, that was actually done on a, on a sound studio. But, uh, yeah, look, I'm with you. I think that would be terrifying, even though it's a fictitious house. With a, it, it just feels like it's got some it's got some bad vibes. I think maybe we'll, we'll keep looking for a studio. Yeah, I, think, I feel like the real estate agent, when if you walk into the open home, that there should be like a dog barking and like some lotion on the, on the side table or something just to really add to the, to the memory of that movie. If that real estate agent doesn't have a sign, you know when you go into an open home and you write your details down on a on a piece of paper. Yeah. If that real estate agent doesn't have a thing that says um, it writes the details on the form, like they've they've missed a real marketing opportunity. Hundred so It gets the hose. It gets the hose. Okay, moving on. Moving on. <laughs> one of one of my favourite shows of uh, twenty twenty. 
uh, even though it wasn't made in 2020, but, you know, it came on Netflix in 2020. Cobra Kai, season three, um, release date announced, January the 8th. Can't freaking wait. And you know what I'm even more excited about, Paul? It's with this little 40-second uh, um, advert that got that got released by Netflix. Not only does it say season three, only on Netflix, Jan- January 8th, it says season four in training. I freaking love that. And I love that they're, they're committing early. They're not, they're not saying to us one more season and we'll see how we go. Mm. We've got two seasons and I'm freaking hyped. Cobra Kai, hottest TV show of 2020. You heard it here first. I think you must be getting more money from Cobra Kai, Cobra Kai than I'm getting from Amazon Prime. The, the levels of, of support you're giving it there, that's great. And I remember feeling that way about The Mandalorian when they announced season three straight away and we're like, we haven't even seen season two yet. It's uh, it's great when you just you just see studios just backing their show and saying, look, and it, it really gives the writers that confidence to then go and do a deep story, a better story. Everyone's relaxed. Well, not relaxed, but you know what I'm saying. It, it just makes for a, a higher production value, I think. It's great. Um, we've also got a bunch of movies which have been rescheduled again. I've got a list here in front of me um, of, of all of the movies that have been rescheduled. I'm not going to go through all of them. I'll just sort of call out a, a couple. But I've got to be honest, Paul, I'm actually getting pretty depressed at seeing these constant this has been delayed, this has been delayed. It's like, oh. And look, I, I, get, I get why, but, but give us some video on demand. Like, we're going to have a, a real backed-up movie theatre system in 2022. For example, so we've got A Quiet Place 2 has now been moved to April um, 23rd, 2021. The Batman, which was due to come out on um, 25th of June, 21, um, is now going to the 4th of March, um, 2022. Um, we've got James Bond, uh, which has been delayed again until uh, Easter next year. Uh, we've got, what else have we got here? The one bit of positive news is The Matrix 4 um, has been moved from um, April uh, 2022 up until December 2021. Great. Long way that lasts. Let, let's see see what happens there. Um, the Dune movie's just been delayed for another year. Uh, Shazam 2 has now been moved to 2023. Uh, Thor Love and Thunder is now 2022. Uh, it, it, it's depressing. Top Gun, we're now in... Uh, oh, that, that was due to come out... Oh, God, that was due to come out in June this year. Oh, now we're July 2021. It's, it's wearing me down. Wonder Woman, what are we up to with that? Christmas... Christmas 2020. There's no way that's happening. You're getting that's, right. That's, You're getting round up, Dan. I can see it. All right. I'll, I'll take a breath. I'll take a breath. What have you got, Paul? What's uh, happening on your new desk? I, I think just on that story, I think what makes it depressing is is when they set new dates, like they did with No Time to Die. And you think, okay, it's been delayed, but now I've got this new date and I can focus on that new date. And then that new date gets moved as well. I'd rather they didn't give me a date. I'd rather they just say, look, it's delayed and then it's out of my mind um it's 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 really really hard and it just comes back to that conversation we've had about let, let let me stream it from home and i know it would be a huge risk and i know none of them are going to do it but i would love to see mgm say do you know what let's let's try it out let's let's put no time to die out there to stream because you've got all the core james bonds fans who, who, who are going to want to watch it that i think they're going to stream it i was talking to my my brother-in-law on the weekend and you know he and i are both 
frugal frugal spenders um we both said we would spend the money we would do it we you know without either second thought i think the key to doing uh video on demand and, and look i i've got no this is a real half measures answer because i've got no analytics or any um economic background but i think you know you're coming out with 50 dollars um for milan i think that's a bit too pricey i think if you went for kind of the, the 39.99 price you would probably get way more downloads than you would for 50 because 50 feels like quite a big ask um and yeah. look if, i think some of these studios should back it i think they should let the half measures podcast break the news we'll, we'll help support it we'll get the word out there don't worry about it we will indeed uh i don't i don't actually have uh too much over at this this side of the news desk um, a couple of um trailers it's always it amazes me when we see trailers coming out it's always exciting that came out that are of, of interest a movie called the 355 um a spy thriller movie um which has an, an all-female cast playing international uh agents uh, you've got diane kruger penelope cruz jessica chastain um there's a whole bunch of actresses in there that, that look like it could be a lot of a lot of fun that movie and um that's supposedly coming out uh, 15th of January 2021. But again, we'll wait and see uh, on that. Uh, what else did I have? Well, you've already touched on the things around the the movie delays. Um, so I'm I'm actually going to say I don't think I've got too much else to add to the conversation this week. I think we can dive straight to the mailbag. What do you got, Paul? What's in the mailbag? So. Following on from our zookeeper's wife, writer, and our criminal creator and director, both those people listening to our podcast we talked about last week, we've had another one come through for criminal as well. And this was equally as exciting. So this is another great news story for the Half Measures podcast. Uh, Catherine Kelly, who plays the the lead role in criminal, um, the lead detective, she listened to our criminal review as well. And she got in touch and she said it was great to hear such a thorough discussion and enthusiasm for our show thank you so that's great um catherine kelly many people may not know the name but i think you might recognize her if uh, she was in official secrets the movie we reviewed uh, a few weeks ago she's in uh, mr selfridge uh, other uk tv series happy valley liar and also an amazing 704 episodes of Coronation Street uh, as the character Becky McDonald. So she was in that series for many years. So my mum probably knows who she is. So um, so that was great to have someone else listen in. It's just, it never fails to, to amaze me that. Um, in Nola Holmes, we reviewed last week, um, both of us really enjoyed uh, Bernd Gorman, who played the, that really creepy villain in the movie. So we gave him a bit of a shout out on Twitter. And we actually had Nancy Springer, uh, who's the writer of the Enola novel series, and Jack Thorne, who was the screenwriter for the movie. They both replied to us expressing um, how much they loved him as their villain as well. So that was nice. We had a lot of love for the Star Trek three four and five movie posts online lots of comments uh, on our instagram about these movies particularly search for spock there were some really humorous videos and gifs uh, shared with us uh, so check those out on our facebook page if you want to see some some good shatner star trek five humor um, thanks to our regular contributor paddy for that uh, we had a lot of love for our peak performances uh, for pacino we had serpico godfather devil's advocate and glengarry 
uh, Glenn Ross. I've forgotten about that one. Great movie with Alec Baldwin, Kevin Spacey. It's a real, real great movie. Um, and also we had for, for Kate Blanchett, we had the most votes come in for, I can't pronounce her name, Galadriel. Galadriel. No, yeah, from Lord of the Rings. Yeah. Um, our producer, Trisha, uh, she also went with that and she gave runners up to, to Thor Ragnarok uh, and Veronica Gurin, which I actually haven't seen yet. And we also had a couple of people join our Discord community as well. So there's a few more coming in. Uh, welcomes to Davros Dave, guessing that they may be a Doctor Who fan. And also to Virgil, who I'm guessing might be a Thunderbirds fan. So it's awesome to have some more like-minded people join our gang. And finally, a special mention to a new listener uh, who we heard from. And this is Andy King from Taranaki here in New Zealand, who says, I just love listening to Dan and Paul's banter. Uh, it lets you consider stuff you haven't heard about. I've been really buzzing listening to your podcast and I've been setting up my day by listening to it first thing. As you mentioned in episode five, I've already pulled the curtains back and the show has begun. Oops, I mean podcast. And that, that cracked me up, Dan, because that brings back a memory because, of course, that was when you and I were talking months and months ago about the Muppets and whether we were a show or a podcast. So um, I think that's how awesome is that, that Andy King has gone all the way back to the start? That is, um, I think it's great. And it's kind of cringy at the same time, isn't it? Because I think, you know, when I think back to our earlier episodes, I think the I think we were still working out our rhythm. What was our show mm-hmm. format? I don't think our audio quality was as good. Um, no. But I, I appreciate the commitment, and I think if um, if Andy King's enjoying it now, I'm sure he's going to love it by the time he catches up to episode 33. Let's hope we can we can keep him on the line until 33, so we can uh, so we can see this feedback. Correct, definitely. No, great to hear from you, Andy, and we love hearing from new listeners and anyone who wants to write in so don't forget if you like to feature in the half measures mailbag then just get in touch social media half measures pod facebook twitter instagram and also you can contact us on our website halfmeasurespodcast.com but on that note dan i'll hand over to you for this week's peak performances all right so peak performance is much like we do with our uh, movie of the week this is where each week we select an actor and an actress um, and we choose between us what we think their, their peak performances are. And so this week we have gone with Drew Barrymore and Bruce Willis, a couple of uh, classic actors. I feel like definitely actors that I feel like we're kind of key characters um, in our childhood, even though, it, you know, similar-ish ages to some of us um (laughs) but yeah we uh who should we start with this week paul should we start with uh drew barrymore sure go for it all right so drew barrymore i guess um as always a a huge back catalog of movies um which i guess is silly to say because if you didn't have that back catalog we're we're probably not talking about big performances (laughs) um i think for me like drew barrymore is I feel like she was one of those actresses that that I had definitely had a crush on growing up and has always been such a a fun actress to watch. Mm -hmm. I think there's a a couple of movies that I want to give a call out um, to. So I think one is um, Drew Barrymore's very brief um, portrayal in the Scream movie where 
she's oh, actually right. actually killed early on in the movie. That's right. And I remember it kind of being being shocking at the time because it's Drew Barrymore. No one kills Drew Barrymore. Um, I've got really fond memories of movies like um, Fifty First Dates and The Wedding Singer and, and, and Charlie's Angels. Like they're they're not necessarily the world's greatest movies, but they're like they're a great fun time. Um, they've got some great laughs in them. But I think I'm actually going to have to go with a, a classic for my peak performance for Drew Barrymore. Um, and it's probably a little bit cliche. And she was young at the time. But I'm going to go with her portrayal uh, of the young girl in E.T. So this is the, the 1982 movie. Um, and Drew Barrymore plays Gertie. And it's just such a great movie. This was a terrifying movie for me as a child. I feel like this was the as a child seeing this movie just seeing her character i feel like i've grown up with her ever since um and i think that that's the peak how about you paul great choices um it was interesting how you said we were we could be in sync because uh i wonder where we're going to go with that because et certainly was was on my list a real shout out to that so good at such a such a young age um an interesting choice, Drew Barrymore, because, um, you know, funny enough, last week, I think I just called out Firestarter as being her most iconic role. And I think I think in many ways that's still true. But going through all the films, there's there's a lot of, you know, others that really stood out to me. And like you, I've seen her in heaps of comedies, um, Never Been Kissed, Fifty First Dates. I think my favourite of all of those was actually music and lyrics with Hugh Grant. I really enjoyed the chemistry that those two had. And, of course, you know, Charlie's Angels, um she was in too um they were fun but my runner-up um i was thinking et but i'm just changing my mind at the last minute once again i'm going to go with confessions of a dangerous mind um i don't know if you remember this one um but uh it's it's got elements of comedy in this in this movie um but uh this was alongside sam rockwell uh george clooney and and julia roberts and I just, I just found her her relationships with the other characters in this movie really, really good. I, I've, again, it is that comedy element, but it was more of an adult comedy. It was more of a, you know, it was a, a crime drama in there. It was about the um, uh, occult memoir of a, a game show uh, in which he purports to have been a CIA hitman. It's just quite a, it's quite a complex plot, but uh, it's definitely a good watch. And she was, she was good in it. But um, my actual winner on this one and I, I dug deep into everything that I've seen her in. I'm actually going with a movie called uh, Everybody's Fine, um, which is still a little bit of a comedy, um, but this one has a real heart. Um, and so this movie, uh, she stars opposite Robert De Niro and uh, she plays she plays his daughter um, and they have a very sort of a, a stretched relationship they sort of had a relationship only through the through their the mother the wife um and it became very apparent to to de niro's character that he had no relationship with with her and so they they try to reconnect as father and daughter and i think the reason why i've gone with this one is because we've talked about before robert de niro one of the greatest actors of all time my memory of this movie even though it's de niro on the front cover my memory of this movie is more about 
uh, her character and the scenes that she had with him. I remember thinking that she stole those scenes and that when they were on screen together, that she had the bigger impact and that she was the one that, and I think there's not many people you can say that about when it comes to, to playing opposite to Nero. And I thought he obviously really got the very, very best out of her because I thought she was, was fantastic in that. So uh, yeah, everybody's fine as my peak performance. Nice, nice, nice. All right, so uh, Bruce Willis. So everybody's um, favourite action hero from the the 80s, 90s, 2000s, and sometimes now. Um, Again, has a huge back catalogue of movies. Um, You know, we've talked about many of these movies before. We've talked about, like, you know, his role in Kill Bill. We've talked about the Die Hard movies before. Um, and I think for me, like, it feel would feel wrong not to give it to his Bruce McLean diehard, but at the same time, feels too easy. John McLean. John McLean, sorry. Who did I say? Bruce. Bruce. John. Bruce. Who's Bruce? Bruce Gray? <laughs> I don't know where Bruce is coming from. Anyway, um, yeah, so I, I'm actually going to, I'm, I'm going to not select Die Hard, even though it's it's definitely up there when I think of uh, top action movies from the eighties for me. I'm actually gonna, um, I think two movies come to mind for me, and they're two slightly different roles. For my runner up choice, I'm actually gonna go with um, Bruce Willis in The Sixth Sense. So um, this is the M Night Shyamalan movie. I think the the role that um, Bruce, um, I got Bruce because his name's Bruce. That's where I got it that's, from. That's where you got it from, yeah. <laughs> I'm glitching, I'm glitching. Classic, classic half measures. Um, I, I really enjoyed the the role that he played there. I thought it was a little bit different. Um, I found this movie kind of haunting. Um, I'm not sure how it stacks up today, but definitely uh, for me it was a, a great time. For peak performance, I'm actually going to go with The Fifth Element. So um, that's where Bruce Willis plays Corbin Dulles. The Fifth Element is such a, a classic movie. We've talked about it so many times. Um, it's come up through other actors that we've talked about, like uh, Gary Oldman, um, Mila Jovovich. Peak performance, The Fifth Element. How about you, Paul? Nice choice. I was just looking at some of those movies that are coming at coming out soon there's a movie coming out called McLean where he stars as John McLean I mean I thought he was done with this (laughs) that's right sorry my mistake uh the original story to the popular film franchise Die Hard um it's it's not my big performance either Die Hard but I you know just like you I have to say that I I just don't think you can imagine thinking about Bruce Willis without thinking of him immediately you know as as John McLean's uh, and saying his uh yippee to someone, right? It's 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 iconic. Um, and it's impossible to talk about it without mentioning Die Hard. But yeah, there's so many movies that he's been in and I, I, I've forgotten some of them. And when you mentioned Kill Bill, I, was, I can't even remember that. So there's so many movies that I feel like my choices may be limited to what I've just remembered on the fly here. But for me, um, Fifth Element would be a close runner-up, but I actually really enjoyed him in the whole nine yards, which is maybe a cheap choice because it's a comedy, but I just loved that 
that movie opposite Matthew Perry, where he plays this terrifying guy. And you really, I feel like if you were to meet Bruce Willis in real life, you may act like Matthew Perry does in that movie. I find him really enjoyable. He plays that role superbly well. It was either going to be that or Sixth Sense. Um, but I think I just enjoyed Sixth Sense because I thought it was a great story. I don't remember thinking it was because of a standout performance by Bruce Willis, but I haven't seen it in 20 years, so who knows. But the, the peak performance that I was going to go with for me, and again, it's maybe a, a slightly odd choice, but it's actually his role as Butch in Pulp Fiction, just simply because I feel like this was a movie that he was so good in, and yet when most people, including myself, think of of Pulp Fiction, the immediate thing that comes to mind is Samuel Jackson, John Travolta, Uma Thurman, because, of course, their, their, their story is probably the most well-known. It's what's on all the posters and the DVDs uh, and all that stuff. But that, that story of the boxer Butch and the way he played it, particularly opposite Ving Rhames, for me, is just as iconic. And I, I love that story. I love his character, um, the way he, he, he decides not to throw the boxing match, the that feud that he starts with Ving Rhames' what was it, Marcellus character. Um, and then, of course, when they meet by chance when crossing the street and, and the, the entire scene from then on, it's just great. And I feel like Bruce Willis makes what is maybe the, the B story to Pulp Fiction, even though it's all intertwined, but it feels like the A story to me. I totally agree. And I'm just wondering, Paul, did I say Kill Bill before? Yeah, I didn't. Or did I, I didn't even. I can't even think of the scenes he's in there. That's how long ago. I no, I, 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 my, I wanted to say Paul Fitchin. I don't know why Kill Bill. Oh, I think I glitched. I, I think I'm having a stroke. <laughs> he was. He he was in um, the Grindhouse movie as well. He was in the the Planet Terror. Um, I was thinking. Of, I was thinking of. Don't run in with your corrections. I, I was thinking about Paul Fitchin. Okay. I don't know why I said Kill Bill. Um, uh, clearly there's something wrong with me it's undiagnosed this is, this is why we're the half measures podcast because you're never quite getting what you pay for indeed 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 great um great choices paul i think we're we're kind of in sync again um within the same realm of movies anyway so i look forward to seeing who you put up as your your nominations for this week and I'm going to have to think about what my uh, movie of the week is. But that probably just about brings us to the end of episode 33 of the Half Measures podcast. does indeed. And our thanks to uh, John and Norman and the Mission Log podcast and the Roddenberry Podcast Network for sponsoring today's episode. And we'll see you next week. Take care till then. Thanks again to our Patreon producers, uh, Trisha Brady and Samara King. If you too would like to become a Patreon producer of the show, the details are down in the show notes. Have a great evening, weekend, morning, whenever you are listening to this episode. Adios.